0: Well, it's always great to welcome on and welcome in Josh Pate. And you want to be checking out his show as part of uh, 247 Sports. The Late Kick podcast is a must listen for any college football fan. And before we dive into the details here with Josh Pate about the Big 12 conference realignment, let me thank you guys. I mean, we have almost 450 ratings now on iTunes on this show. I wanted to get to 400 before the season. We're at 450 with a month until the season. Thank you for that. If you can hit that five-star, we'll get you a free Heartland College Sports koozie when you leave a review as well. Just send me a screenshot of your rating and review to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com, and that koozie is coming your way. Thank you so much, guys, for making this happen. All right, Josh. uh, We talked a couple of months back, and we talked, obviously, about the Big 12 on the field, what the future was. Now the conversation is off the field. Just big picture, what do you make of the last couple of weeks, Oklahoma and Texas leaving the Big 12 and heading to the SEC?
1: Well, the first thing, Pete, and this is not the first time college football has taught us this lesson, but it is a stark reminder. Just never laugh at anyone's prediction, ever, in any facet of this sport because nothing could have sounded crazier when you and I talked, what, a few weeks, two months ago, Mm -hmm. than if I would have said, I don't really want to waste a whole lot of time on OU and Texas because, you know, they're not going to be around here much longer. You would have hung up. You should have hung up. And so, I mean, if anyone makes wild predictions, just write them down. Don't laugh at them. Just write them down. And then once you finish and you can look back, then you can laugh at it. But, man, it's been wild. And it's, it's I was talking to my dad about this. I'm, I'm down in Georgia. Uh, the last chance I'll have to come home until Christmas probably. And he said, when did people know about this? And I, because he assumed, oh, there must've been whispers. No, there were no whispers. No one knew anything. And so that's part one of how wild that was, that it stayed closeted for as long as it did. But I'm really interested. We had a round table at 24 seven about this yesterday, did really good traffic, surprisingly good traffic. I thought people may be tired of talking about it, but they're not. And, you know, we, we combined sourcing and people we had spoken to across multiple conferences, I do think that there is a gap now in perception versus reality. Initially, everyone was terrified when this happened uh, up and down the Big 12, but on the West Coast, East Coast, everywhere but the South, essentially. People were terrified that over the span of the next week, we were going to see just a total dissolution of one or multiple conferences, and it was a tectonic plate shift. And I'm not denying it was that, but it does feel like with a couple of weeks' hindsight now, or perspective, I guess, would be the better term. It does feel like there is a willingness from enough invested parties to step back and take a breath and just kind of undo the tie and loosen the collar and let us let this breathe for a second. No one make any hasty decisions. I know out on the West Coast, uh, John Wilmer has had an article out, as you and I are recording this morning, about how a lot of conferences and a lot of university presidents have found Uh, kind of a newfound kinship and and a newfound means of communication. Some of those back channels that may have been clogged or open again, and they realize on our own, we are all prey for what they called a predatory SEC, but we have strength in numbers here. And that is a fact. There are still are strength in numbers, still is strength in numbers, but it's easy to say those things when it comes time for rubber to meet the road and, and you're at the table of a future, whether it be a realignment conversation or a merger conversation, or the big elephant in the room, a new television contract conversation, I just wonder, I wonder how steadfast people are gonna be in that approach, because you you know as well as I do, even in your own personal life, much less when you have an entire conference and the future of a conference uh, on the precipice of changing based on your decision, People, just human nature is sometimes you get really selfish and you look out for your own best interest. And so I don't think there's any skill in knowing where this is headed because I don't think the decision makers know where it's headed right now.
0: I could not agree more. I mean, there's a lot of reporting, a lot of rumors, message board fodder, but anyone that says they know where this is going is crazy. But, you know, we're looking at this, obviously, here in the Big 12, and, and my approach has been this, Josh, I get it monetarily. Oklahoma and Texas uh, carry the league. Uh, everyone knows that. But I would say that's true, too, for most of the top couple of schools in any conference. But they left, the SEC invited them in, and they're gone. I think the idea that the other eight teams are, are you know, invaluable, or are, I, should, I should say really just be able to throw them away, they're AAC schools. I, I don't think that's entirely fair based on the brand and the fan bases that they have. What do you make of the other eight as they're now being called?
1: Well, it, it aggravates me, and you're, you're in the heart of it. I'm watching from a distance, but it still aggravates me because I know what I see, for example, when I turn on, let's say, an Iowa State game, or when I turn on a Kansas State game or an Oklahoma State game, what I see is what college football should be, and what I wish was at the forefront of a lot of the conversation and eventually a lot of the decision-making is I wish that. If you're trying to rearrange your conference or you're trying to realign your conference, I wish that, that deference would be given to athletic departments that have shown the willingness to, to year over year invest in athletics and, in this case, invest in college football. I mean, think if you were an alien right now, Pete, and you just landed on the planet. You understood sports because, for whatever reason, you already get that. But you land on the planet and you just observe college football. You would say, wait a second, everyone is – terrified of this sec this conference down here and, and i understand it. okay i observe that but why would vanderbilt be in that thing over oklahoma state and then you'd have to explain to them well they're grandfathered and they just always been there well the academics mr alien then they play a role and the point is if you just rearranged college football today there are many universities that have that have firm seats at the table that would not have seats at the table conversely you have some that as we're talking about right now are under threat of being left out in the cold that more than meet the minimum baseline criteria. And so I look at those programs, and that's not an exhaustive list. I could throw West Virginia in there. I could throw a number of programs in there, not even stopping at the Big 12, that I, I really, really strongly believe deserve a shot at that table. And what bothers me when we talk about the word fear is that that is my biggest fear, that you eventually head to a place where we're not talking about an Alcorn State, for example, that doesn't get a lot of attention and doesn't get a seat at the table, we understand the levels of college football. But in my entire lifetime, that level, that top level of college football, there's always been room for the programs we're talking about right now. And there should be room for it, at least if college football is to maintain what I would call the sanctity of the sport. Mm -hmm. and that would be my biggest fear. But, yes, it's very aggravating to me, uh, even as a bystander, to listen to that kind of talk.
0: Well, how about, Josh, Uh, you know, I think The Athletic wrote a piece that I read in recent days, and and it was great. It was talking about how college football needs to build up its middle class, and college football and its middle class is what helps make the sport great, not contracted. I I mean, is that kind of what part of what you're getting at here, that the reason we love this sport and the reason that we love college football is because – of that strength in the middle class, that if we lose it and we have, you know, really one or two power conferences that act as minor leagues, it loses its luster? Is that is that what you're getting at here in part?
1: Absolutely. And so here's, here's where the overarching points come in, because I know everyone has their beliefs on politics or their beliefs on economics, and I do too. I'm no different than anyone else. The way I have always looked at sports in general, and especially, I mean, double especially, college football is, That's the one place where if I'm a pure free market capitalist, I can check that at the door and I can 100% advocate for artificial checks and balances and barriers to be put in this one thing, this one sport over here, kind of like a natural preserve where a gorilla can live in the middle of Atlanta, Georgia. We have designated that area. You can call it a zoo, a natural preserve, whatever. College football has had that feel for a while. We understand if you were to remove the checks and balances and barriers that, of course, an Iowa state and an Ohio state cannot exist on the same plane. We get that. And in normal society, if those two were companies, no, it would not happen. One would swallow the other up in a nanosecond. But for a long time, we've been cool with and understood the benefit of having in the sporting world sort of a natural preserve it's why i've always loved college football it was different it it is unique it does not look like the things that you see on sundays or the just things in general that you see in the pro ranks and yes to go back to the point that you're making in the question that absolutely is what's best for the game you you want that middle class of teams built up and i i know that the reason i'm careful to use that terminology is because we know as fully functioning adults living in the real world It's hard to talk in those terms without some voice coming in from the back and then starting to try and throw real-world politics and real-world problems and theories on economics into it. I understand all that's in the room. What I'm telling you is this conversation belongs in a different room apart from what your day-to-day life consists of, apart from what our society consists of. It's always been fun to me because of that.
0: Mm-hmm. it absolutely has josh Pate is joining us uh, definitely need to check out his show the late kick with josh paid 247 sports is who he is with so you know josh as we sit here now you're right couple weeks has gone by people are starting to calm down but ku fans iowa state fans they want to be in the big 10 tomorrow and you know the texas tech fans are looking west uh, you've got west virginia fans saying put us in the acc already what do you think a realistic timeline is here? I mean, I agree. I don't think anything's happening now anytime soon. Should we just now look at the season? It's fun to talk about this stuff. I love doing it. But realistically speaking, are we in kind of a, a waiting phase here? And how long can that last?
1: Yeah, if if someone's out there, you know, sweating over a keyboard waiting for the next domino to fall in conference realignment, I I think you'd be best served to go ahead and write a practice report or two. So I don't (laughs) think those headlines are coming across the wire quite as fast and furious as they seem to be the last couple of weeks, thankfully, uh, because I would infinitely prefer to talk about football. I mean, we've got, we got a show tomorrow night. And unless something monumental happens in the world of conference realignment, I'm going wall to wall with fall camp. I'm going wall to wall with conference questions and, I I saw a ton of traffic, as I'm sure you guys have because of this, but that's, um, that's the kind of traffic I'd just as soon do without. I would much rather talk about whether someone other than Oklahoma or Iowa State can press them against the wall in the Big 12. That's what August is for to me.
0: Yeah, absolutely. All right, Josh, let me, uh, if we can squeeze in a couple of uh, on-field questions here. Obviously, it's Oklahoma, it's Iowa State in this league, but I find it interesting with how the last couple of weeks have gone down. Obviously, OU and Texas always have that target on their back. Uh, They're always the team that, that, you know, the other schools want to upset in the season. But does this only add to that? If you're Oklahoma, I mean, you cannot, as good as they are, as talented as they are, they can win a national championship. You cannot take a Saturday off, Josh, because you are going to have all the other eight teams in this conference gunning for you in a way that they never have before based on how this last couple of weeks have gone. Is that fair? And then if so, what does that mean for OU going into the season, if anything?
1: Firstly, absolutely. It's fair. I mean, whether it's fair to feel that way or not, that's how people are going to feel. So yes, a million times. Yes. That's the way it's going to be. Think about being TCU right now. TCU is in a position already, even if things were just normal, where they were going to have a scheduling dynamic bonanza on their hands. When they play Texas, they play them the week before Red River. When they play Oklahoma, they play them the week after Red River. And so you could never have positioned things in a more opportune manner for the Horn Frogs. Then you add in the fact that, hey, they um, – well, if you believe the rumors, Gary Patterson and company, they kind of were looking to end you, man. They're looking to whack-a-mole you down to a different level of college football And they're throwing up the deuces on the way out the door. And, oh, by the way, they're going to take like 60 or 70% of your money that you would have gotten with them. Yeah, I think it stands to reason there may be a little more animosity, a little more added fuel to the fire than normal this year. Mm -hmm. No, I I,
0: I could not agree more. And Texas always has that going for them. So now as you're looking at this conference and you see the big two, Oklahoma, Iowa State, has anything over the last uh, few weeks that you've been looking at the season and looking at this league – Anything leading to you to believe that there could be a third team in the mix that we should be talking more about here in the Big 12?
1: Well, I mean, I know I just kind of spoiled the the lead there, but I think TCU would be that team. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not because of – well, it's not, it's not mainly because of returning starters. I, that will be the most overhyped stat in America this year. Everyone's got a ton of them because of the COVID rule and because of the sixth or seventh or eighth year, or whatever it is of eligibility. So everyone's got a lot of experience this year. But what I think they have is they have experience in the right places where they didn't have it last year. Their offensive line did not allow them to do anything last year. It did not allow Max Duggan, I think, to be the quarterback that he could be. And if if those two things alone fall into place, I have the confidence that defensively they'll be back where they should be. But if, if you take what I just said and you say it out loud, OK, if their offensive line is intact, I mean, and they got a couple of potentially really, really good wide receivers, but if if Max Duggan is the quarterback that he can be you start to look up and down the conference behind Spencer Rattler uh, sure you have Brock Purdy at Iowa State but i mean Max Duggan could end up being right behind Rattler one of if not the best quarterbacks in the conference and what does that make TCU then
0: mhm no i know and that's that's i think that thing that a lot of people are trying to figure out right now with this team Oklahoma State are you buying them at all or do you have to see more from Spencer Sanders
1: would absolutely have to see more from Spencer Sanders. Spencer Sanders is one of those guys, if you're licking your finger and you know, you're know you on the beach somewhere enjoying vacation, you're flipping through your preview magazine, he's one of those guys that's going to have that returning starter label next to him. But, I mean, it's not just the Spencer Sanders thing necessarily. It's If you look at Oklahoma State, no one ever is talking about them on National Signing Day. But in our world, we're looking well past the top five. And yeah. Oklahoma State recruiting – Even within the context of what we would call Tier 3 recruiting, it has regressed a little bit. I mean, they had a string there where they were knocking it out of the park in evaluations and development. I mean, they were hitting at an insanely high percentage. And it's not that they've fallen off a cliff, but they took a step back, and they can't afford to do that. That's why they went from 10-win seasons, you know, half a decade ago to now they're hovering around that 7 or 8-win-per-year type season.
0: Yeah, I I agree there, too. Now, West Virginia, uh, that's the other kind of – team that people are looking at in this league and saying well are they a are they a five win team or could they be an eight maybe a nine win team i neil brown has really done a great job by the way on the recruiting trail and we use your guys' rankings and they're doing a really good work in the class of 2022 but will things start paying off sooner or later he he felt very confident to me at big 12 media days a couple of weeks back that we were down there for it but do you think this team is ready to take that next step
1: yeah i do i think they have I think they believe and I agree with them that they have the best team they've had there. This is his third year. And it's important to remember, well, I think this has been lost. When the coaching carousel was going on and Billy Napier at Louisiana was getting a lot of traction, I can promise you there were more than a couple of major power five programs that were reaching out to Neil Brown too. That kind of got squashed behind the scenes. So it never really got a ton of national traction, but he is very, very highly thought of. He was down at Troy. I was down there about an hour north of him working in Columbus, Georgia at the time. But yes, they, I think they had spikes last year and ups and downs that were disproportionately related to COVID. They probably feel like they had a lot more in the tank than they showed last year. Mm -hmm. But yeah, this year, I mean, they get a chance to open the season. They go to Maryland, I believe. And then they've got a couple of games that, you know, they got an FCS team, but then they've got uh, Virginia Tech in there. And then that's that trip to Oklahoma. And that's one of, well, pretty much every road game for them is a thousand mile plus road trip. But that's when you really start to test them. Cause what could happen is they could have a solid showing at Oklahoma, but because they lose, they sort of disappear off the national radar for a yeah. second. And then they quietly start stacking wins on top of each other. And then all of a sudden they emerge and, you know, they're playing Iowa state the week of Halloween. And whoa, I didn't know this game was going to have Big 12 title implications, but all of a sudden it does. Yeah, uh,
0: yeah. Now, who's the team? And and last thing for you here, Josh, who's the team? We talk about who can exceed expectations. Is there a team you're looking at around this league where you say, you know, I I think they're going to come in below what the expectations are, whatever those expectations are. Who, Who do you think won't meet them this year?
1: I don't know what the expectation level is for Baylor. So, so tell me, because they were going, they went from eleven wins to two wins last year. What yeah. is the expectation level for Baylor, and then I'll tell you if I think they're going to exceed it or not. If
0: this team gets to a bowl game, I, every fan in this uh, in Waco should consider that a success. So I would say, if they don't get to a bowl game, there will be disappointment. A bowl game is kind of that threshold. If so, if they get to six wins, people will be happy.
1: Okay, I agree with that. I, I would, I would, I would peg them a little bit below bowl eligibility threshold. And so I I think that there were maybe a little little bit of what you would call deceiving numbers a couple of years ago. And they came back to reality last year, but a lot of folks from Penn State to LSU and Baylor, they're going to look at last year and say, well, COVID. Don't know how it got us, but it got us. So this year will be – closer to normal, man, they can improve three games on last year and still not make a bowl. So, yeah, yeah, I think they may fall just short of that. Interesting.
0: Josh Pate, 24-7 Sports. Always great to have him on. Appreciate his time. Check out his show. The Late Kick, he does awesome work there. Josh, great to have you on, man. Thanks so much for the time and talking some Big
1: 12. Absolutely, man. I appreciate it.
0: He's Josh Pate. I'm Pete Mundo. And you know this show is now number one on iTunes for Big 12. When you search Big 12 on iTunes, this show is number one. It's because of you guys, all right? That's how we're beating The Athletic and CBS and everybody else in the Big 12 rankings on iTunes. It's because of you. Your ratings and reviews matter. That's why uh, I want to first off give a shout-out to some of the people who have left recent ratings and reviews how about this? Even though I lived in KC for 6 years, I had no idea who Pete was. Well, that that hurts my feelings sort of. Chalk it up to the fact that sometimes my attention to the college sports can be a bit fleeting. After a friend turned me onto the website, I checked out the podcast, Pete's the real deal, great content, professionally delivered. It's my pod, it's on my podcast feed, and I can't wait for the next episode. Thank you for that. Also here, hands down best overall coverage of the Big 12 and its true members. Well, thank you for that, guys. Really appreciate it. I've got a koozie coming your way with our logo on it, the Heartland College Sports Koozie. Leave a rating and a review. Hit that subscribe button. Send me a screenshot of your rating and review to Pete M-U-N-D-O, at HeartlandCollegeSports.com, and that koozie is coming your way. I'm sending them out every single week. Thank you, guys. Have a great day. We'll talk to you soon.